Hello, and welcome to Knoll Country for Old Men, the podcast about tabletop role-playing games, tabletop war games, and board games. I'm your host, Troy. My pronouns are he, him. And you can call me Ed. My pronouns are they and them. And uh, it's time to get in, losers, because Mars is a lie. Yeah, that's right. Today, we're talking about Gasland. Vroom, vroom, bitches. But before we get into it, the hobby segment. Ed, what have you been doing in hobby this week? Not a whole lot. It's been kind of a rough week. Uh, generally described as that clip from the uh, Hawkeye comic series where it says everything's awful. Oh God, somebody please help. Been doing a little bit of 3D printing. Not having as much success as I did previously. Um, finding that 3D printer is a lot better for making props and scenery than actual uh, models, because even on the smallest settings, my printer doesn't really do faces or fine detail that well. Um, still working on Marvel Crisis Protocol. Finished up Black Widow the other night. Um, haven't really done a whole lot since then. Got accepted to do an online Blood Bowl League, so we're waiting for that to start up. I haven't seen anything yet, uh, but hopefully that should be fun. I've had some crazy Blood Bowl single-player shenanigans. Uh, my Amazon team got absolutely wrecked by a Chaos team, and then in the very last play of the game, managed to score one touchdown and kill one of the Chaos Berserkers. Uh, but previously before that, Chaos had made a 100-yard bomb pass for a touchdown, which I was just like, what? What happened there? That's not supposed to happen. So maybe next week, if work continues to be slow as it is, I'll do some more, but just lately just haven't had the energy to hobby, really. Yeah, I've mostly just been painting HeroQuest stuff. Nothing finished, just bits and bobs of various pieces. Um, I'm getting together with my board game group tomorrow, though, so maybe we'll be playing some, uh, I don't know, Battlestar Galactica? Yeah, boy. Or, I don't know, Terraforming Mars, maybe? We'll see. I haven't played that one yet, but it looks interesting, and I can't remember if it was at Rainy Day or one of the other local stores, but it looked like they had, uh, one of the deluxe editions with all the fancy pieces. Mm, yeah, it terraforming Mars. I don't know that you need super fancy pieces. You just need the cubes because it's all about the cubes. You don't really need fancy pieces, but if you're like me, um, you're somebody who will definitely spend a gratuitous amount of money if it means that it comes with little tiny molded plastic pieces. Unfortunately, I'm a sucker for stuff like that, which is why I have been banned from Kickstarter. Probably for the best. Yeah, especially with all the NFTs. I don't know how NFTs play into Kickstarter's shenanigans or why it even matters for them, but apparently that's the way they want to go. And by the way, if you want to buy an NFT of this podcast, uh, let me know. Yes, we will happily sell you an NFT of this podcast. We'll, we'll just first, we have to figure out how to sell NFTs and then, like, I don't know, maybe it's a screenshot of the recording? I'm pretty sure you just say you're selling an NFT and then people just start showering you with money. Well, we'll try that. Maybe we'll set up a Patreon where people can 
contribute and be randomly selected to win an NFT. If that doesn't work, we can set up an OnlyFans and I can give a uh, painting tutorial without a shirt on. Give me $5 if you want to see that. Yeah, give us any amount of money if you want to see these things. Woo! Let's talk about Gaslands! Yay! Gaslands is a... Really awesome game. Yes. Gaslands is a game of post-apocalyptic car combat. Uh, it's done in the vein of, like, Mad Max, Death Race, Death Race 2000, any of those films or comic books or tabletop games that are set in a post-apocalyptic future where people drive cars around really fast and try to blow each other up. Uh, the game was originally published in 2017 with the Refueled Edition launched in 2019. If you see the books by the Refueled Edition, it's just a cleaned-up version of the original with some extra bonus content added in that it's it's the better version of the books yep it's also a much nicer hardcover if you buy the physical one the game is designed to be played with toy cars such as matchbox or hot wheels or you can 3d print your own or like scratch build them from stuff i've seen people do that it's cool in terms of the converting uh scene and the custom scene for gaslands it's probably the most prolific that I have seen for any tabletop game out there. And I think part of that just become, just comes from the fact that there is no, quote, official, like, line of products for it. It really kind of is up to you and your imagination as far as what you want to do. And there is just some absolutely bonkers stuff out there. It's amazing. Yeah, I will agree with that. The fact that it uses Matchbox and Hot Wheels cars and then you repaint and modify and glue spikes to them and add guns and make them look post-apocalyptical and cool and awesome means that there's a lot to do conversion-wise and you can find the base part for it, the Hot Wheels cars, anywhere. Yeah, I see them in grocery stores for like a dollar each, yeah. They're a dollar each. So they're easy to find, they're fun to put together because they're quite small and it's post-apocalyptic, so they don't have to be pristinely detailed. They can be smudged and dirty and rusted out, and they still look good and fit the game. Yep. It makes for some very cool conversions and some very cool-looking pieces. Or if you're me, you even just find base Matchbox and Hot Wheels cars, and you're like, this looks pretty cool on its own. I'm not going to do anything to it, like the Batmobile. Batmobile looks fine on its own. Yeah, most Batmobiles look like they kind of fit. So the game was designed by Mike Hutchinson, and it's pretty simple. It takes place in a number of turns. Each turn has a number of gear phases, which sort of represent who's moving at that speed or higher, meaning that faster cars get to move more to represent the speed rather than just giving them a different speed increment. And... It uses movement templates in a variation of the flight path system that was first used in the Wings of Glory, Wings of War dogfighting games, and then also in the X-Wing miniatures game, the Star Trek Attack Wing, and the short-lived D&D Attack Wing game. Yeah, what's up with that? I never got how D&D fit into that. That's weird. It was an attempt by WizKids to sort of reuse some of their, like, dragon harpy models that they had on hand from Heroclix. That's... That's actually pretty funny. Yeah, it, it it was not very good. 
and and mostly it was just the same they print they made more of the models that they already had and just put them on different bases and tried to use the flight path system and it didn't make a lot of sense um it is a good source of like ballista and like anti-air weapon fantasy models because it had units of that yeah interesting i don't think we'll ever really get into it it's such a weird game <laughs> that's gonna be a, a really deep cut on this on this show so it also uses skid dice which are custom six-sided dice that have are they skid dice or shift dice um i think they're called shift dice shift dice it uses shift dice which are custom six-sided dice they have on them shift symbols hazard symbols uh spin symbols and skid tokens uh, and skid symbols when you perform a maneuver you can roll a number of these dice depending on what type of car you have and then use these results in certain ways you need shift tokens in order to go up or down a gear and you can also use shift results to remove hazard tokens from your car. You can do spins and skids to, like, change the positioning of your car. You can rotate it or, like, slide out of the way. And when doing so, you get extra hazards. If you ever hit six hazards at the end of a movement, you crash. Your, your car spins out of control, wipes out, crashes, bad things can happen depending on how fast you're going. Like with the cars... The game does not sell you the shift dice itself. You can buy them on Etsy. There are a bunch of different stores making that sell them for quite cheap. You can make them yourself, or you could use D6s and a chart that says, like, 1 to 3 is shift, 4 is a hazard, 5 is a spin, 6 is a skid. It, it, it's very easy for to do any of the things in the game yourself. Yeah, compared to a lot of other tabletop miniature based games the bar to entry for gaslands is incredibly low because really all you need is the book whatever hot wheels you can find and then maybe like a copier or a printer to print out tokens yeah you you do need to print off the templates and the tokens yeah templates that's what i that's what i meant the book comes with a sheet of these in the back of it um, and for the PDF, you can just print those off. And you can even scale them up or down if you want to play it, you know, with smaller toys or larger toys, which is very nice. And the book actually has advice on how to do that because it, it's an indie game. It's designed for everyone to play it in whatever way they want to. It's your game. Do what you want. Like we said, all you need to play are the rules, some cars... Uh, six-sided dice and templates and tokens and to play you kind of have to put together a team of cars the resource for putting together teams is cans and this refers to like cans of gasoline which are as good as gold in the post-apocalyptic wasteland that the game is takes place in uh, there is a like official setting for it and that's where the mars is a lie stuff comes from but you could play it in whatever kind of apocalypse you want for whatever reason the tv show aspect of it doesn't really do much for me so i just tend to think of it as just kind of generic mad max post-apocalypse yeah i like the tv show aspect if you're doing a campaign 
it makes a lot of sense for that. But if it doesn't fit your idea of what the post-apocalypse should look like, ignore it. It's that easy. You create a team using 50 cans of gas, or 50 cans, and you buy different cars, you buy upgrades, and you can pick a sponsor, which there's a bunch of different sponsors in the book, ranging from one that's about, like, military stuff. You get extra military options. One that's a about special high-tech weapons. You get, like, gravity guns and teleporters and... Tesla coil gun. One that's about lighting stuff on fire. The Order of the Inferno. And there's my favorite, the ghost car. The Beverly, the devil on the highway. It's a ghost car. <clears throat> Christine. Yes, it, it's very, very much a... Well, it's every evil ghost car from film and books kind of rolled into one. In, uh... On the topic of cars that look too nice to convert, I got a nice model of Christine that I'm debating whether or not to put a little bit of flame detail on it, but I'm excited to use that one at some point as uh, the Beverly Ghost Car Team get some ghostly motorcycles to go with it. It's going to rule. Uh, there's a team called The Warden, which is a prison where they uh, weld prisoners inside of the cars and forth force them to do the death race. I'm pretty sure Warden was the one that I used in our last game, and that one was pretty fun just because you have the Warden and they've got, you know, fun toys and are relatively beefy, and then you have the prison cars, which are just absolute meat shields, and you just kind of run them into stuff, which is what I did. Yeah, I did the uh, super weapon team, which was hilarious uh, when we last played. Just zapping stuff with a laser cannon and a Tesla coil, and yeah. And I couldn't afford anything other than, like, base cars. So these were just, like, normal cars with giant laser cannons strapped to the roofs. I think I had... I don't remember how many cars we had. I think I might have had one that was the Warden and then two that were just kind of meat shields that just ran around crashing into stuff. I'm pretty sure you only had two cars. Maybe it was one Warden and then one, one meat shield car. All I remember is I didn't end up actually doing a whole lot, just kind of running into stuff and causing a general ruckus, but... That tends to be how I play Gaslands anyway. That's how the game is played, yeah. And there are also perks that you can take, uh, depending on the sponsor. Stuff that improves ha individual cars, lets them change their dice, lets them roll more attack dice when shooting certain weapons, lets them shift faster, lets them, you know, do all sorts of stuff. There's aggression perks, badass perks, built perks, daring perks, horror perks, military perks, precision, pursuit, reckless speed, technology, tuning. There's a lot of different options for stuff you can do to make your, to personalize your cars and your drivers. Which, again, that's really nice. If you're kit bashing custom cars and painting them and stuff, you want them to be special and the rules really support that. Yeah, and I think it really does speak to the flexibility of the game, considering, like, how many games we've actually played and how little we've actually used those customization options and the sponsors. Because we tend to just kind of build cars and throw them at each other. And the game is incredibly playable, even without that ridiculous customization. And so just adding another layer of that on top is just all the better. And beyond just cars, you can get some 
you know, more specialized vehicles. You can get an ambulance or a ice cream truck or motorcycles. My signature vehicle, a semi-truck with a uh, anti-aircraft cannon on the back. The War Rig. Because everyone loves Mad Max Fury Road and the big, huge, like, tanker trucks, articulated vehicles that they have on that. The, you have special rules for war rigs, which are semi-trucks, basically, that are extra big. They move slightly differently because they are dragging a container, be, a, a big container behind them. They have extra armor and extra hit points and other things, but they are the biggest targets because they would be, right? They hit hard. They drive hard. It's a lot of fun, uh, except when you screw up on the first gear phase and drop anchor like I did, uh, you get kind of stuck. So they can present some interesting challenges. Yes. I, I think the important thing to remember is when you're playing, when you're playing any faction is that you want to activate in as many gear phases as possible. Uh, so you need to have at least one vehicle that's acting in most gear phases so if all you've got for your team is a war rig, you probably want to keep moving pretty much for, for a decent amount of the game and not drop anchor unless you're going at a decent clip already. The game is not entirely death matches. You don't just build your teams of cars and then smash them into each other and uh, see who comes out the other side not in a smoldering wreck. The game is really about scenarios. And it has a number of these. The classic scenario, the one that's probably easiest to introduce new players to, is Death Race. Which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a race. You set up a track. Uh, we usually use something like a figure eight kind of set, but you can do whatever. And you race through the gates. You don't get to use your weapons until after you've passed the first gate, just to stop everyone from blowing each other up at the starting line. And whichever car makes it through the final gate first, that team wins. It's very straightforward. It rewards people who maneuver well over people who shoot well. And it's a fantastic way to introduce new players to the game because they get to see all the mechanics of movement, of rolling dice, of smashing into each other, because you will smash into each other. And they don't have to worry so much about someone doing weird stuff and shooting them a bunch. It's how we got started. It's how we got started. It's how I introduce the game whenever I'm bringing in a new player. It's probably my favorite scenario because I like the high speed maneuvering aspect of it. I will say, I think for the death race, maybe more than others, it feels like even though we play on a fairly standard like three by three table it feels like the bigger table you can have would probably be better and it is fun to get kind of jammed up where everybody's trying to you know navigate like a hairpin turn or something really weird the smaller table size does kind of constrict you know how you're going to maneuver throughout the game yeah that is true uh, a bigger table for death race would be more fun Honestly, like a 4x6 for a 3 or 4 team death race would be amazing. 
Yeah, I think the game we played with Haas a couple years ago, we used a 4x6 table. Even though we had, like, the 3x3 mat down, I think we used the entire table space. And that one, you just it doesn't feel quite as choked up, particularly at the beginning of the match, which always turns into a Charlie Foxtrot because everybody's trying to get off the line and everybody's bumping into each other. Um, having that little bit of extra space on the larger table, you don't get quite as much of that and you're not as likely to just immediately wreck one of your cars right off the bat. Yeah. So beyond the death race, there are a number of other scenario systems like in the book. The arena of death, which is, you know, your classic kill each other thing. Uh, capture the flag sort of scenario. There's some wasteland things with salvage and delivery and scavenging. Uh, the classic zombie bash. Yes, love the zombies. Yeah, where you drive around, you, you scatter a ridiculous amount of little zombie minis onto the field, and then your cars drive around, hitting as many of them as possible, and whoever's taken out the most at the end of the game wins. It's lovely and simple, and you don't even need miniatures. You can use tokens, but the miniatures just make it better. More miniatures is more better. And then you also have stuff like Big Game Hunter, where it recommends you use toy dinosaurs and kind of make them look mutated or other, you know, larger scale toys. So you've got giant monsters roaming around and you're supposed to hunt them down using your cars. Uh, it's got Monster Truck Smash, where one player gets a monster truck that just has to, like, run everybody else over. And finally, it has Truckosaurus, where there is a giant Truckosaurus in the center of the table that... Eats everything. Yeah, the Truckosaurus destroys everything in its path. Uh, it kind of hangs out in the center of the table, and it can breathe fire and pick up cars and crush stuff and you, you have to drive around it and do a certain number of laps without being totally destroyed and the book has a few more skirmishes the uh, the book has a few more scenarios these are just some of our favorites it does a really good job of providing you with different ways to play the game so that it's not just one thing uh, it's not just death races over and over and over again it also has a whole thing for campaigns, for seasons, as it calls, of multiple players in a group structure where they play events against each other and, like, you can improve your guys, you can upgrade your cars, um, people can be killed and knocked out, and there's a post-game sequence and a pre-game sequence, and if you start falling behind you can join the anti-mars resistance and try to like win by throwing the season it's very interesting and really set up nicely and i very much enjoy the book and the game itself surprisingly i haven't actually read a whole lot into the campaign system i like it it's very set up for a group that meets at a game store once a week and wants to play Gaslands, and wants to have some a little bit of narrative structure for what they're doing with their Gaslands, where they can improve their cars, and they can create driver characters for it. It's a nice addition to the game. There have also been some interesting sort of side projects related to this, released in the Blaster magazine, 
was maybe the most interesting of them, the Martian Racing League or Martian Federation Racing. Martian Racing League. That is hover cars. Hover car racing on Mars. That's really race-focused. It's the F1 car to the Gaslands NASCAR. You build hover cars. They don't have weapons. They race kind of differently. It's the same general system. It uses the same templates and dice. It, it's another way to play the game, essentially. And I think the the newest issue of Blaster also has another uh, mini expansion for Gaslands. However, I don't remember what it was about. Um, I just ordered the first issue of Blaster. So that should get here hopefully soon. But I know that the one of the newest ones, I think, has some extra Gasland stuff in it. Yeah, I have the digital copy of the first one. I've read the Martian Racing Federation or Martian Racing League. Broom, broom. And it, it's fun. I built a couple of uh, hover cars for it. I just haven't had a chance to use them for uh, pandemic-related reasons. Yeah. I wanted to build some of the, the fancy like hover-looking cars, but I could just never find anything that looked sleek or fancy enough that I wanted to use for it. Everything I have is either very kind of post-apocalyptic themed or is like really weird random Hot Wheels like the shark car or the one that's, you know, shaped like a snake or uh, shaped like a taco like I saw the other day. For the Martian one, I recommend buying like Hot Wheels F1 cars and removing the wheels and just adding little wings. I didn't know they made F1 cars. That's neat. Yeah, they make some F1 or F1 style cars. You know, those sort of like super low race car, hypercar kind of things. Remove the wheels and just like add add a little bit of wings in that area. And it works pretty well as a hover car. So yeah, Gaslands. It's one of my favorite indie miniature games. Should we talk about uh, Car Wars, the game that uh, inspired Gaslands? Actually, before we talk about that, let's talk about the Rule of Carnage. Oh yeah, Rule of Carnage. That's a good one. So, one of the things that I really like about Gaslands is the sort of rule zero of the system, which in this case is known as the rule of carnage. And this simply states that whenever something happens and there's a rules question that could be, like, go in multiple ways, the correct way to interpret it is the one that causes the most damage and that does the most explosions or smashes the most cars or whatever the most rip and tear the game essentially says whenever you're up against a situation where you don't know whether you should do it this way or that way do the one that creates the most entertaining option by blowing up a car by doing extra damage when you smash into someone from the side by having everything explode more explosions is more better by whatever whenever you have that thing the game says, do the entertaining option that causes damage. It's nice, it's simple, it resolves a lot of questions that you might have about, oh, am I hitting you in the front or am I hitting you on the side? Well, you do more damage if you hit each other in the front, so it's the front. If there's a question, it's the front. It's a very smart rule because it rolls an element of how the game should be played into the actual rules of the game. And it does so without, I think, really damaging 
the play style of the game or feeling overbearing like some rules do where they want you to make out-of-game things and have that affect the game. Yeah, if you're not running into stuff, you're not you're not playing the game right anyway. And it it makes the game fun and it speeds up the game cuz all rules arguments are resolved with what does the most damage. Okay, that's the thing that happens. It's a smart bit of game design and I'm I very much like that it's a core aspect of this game. There are no post-apocalyptic rules lawyers. No post-apocalyptic rules lawyers. They were the first to go in the apocalypse. But Gaslands was not the first post-apocalyptic car mayhem game. There was another. Actually, there were a bunch of others. The first one that really was popular, though, was Car Wars by Steve Jackson Games. Steve Jackson, you just kind of popped up everywhere. Uh, Ed, uh, you've played Car Wars, or you've looked into Car Wars. Tell me about it. I've tried to play some demo games of Car Wars, and the TLDR version of it is that there is absolutely nothing that Car Wars does that Gaslands doesn't do better and in a more simplified manner. Probably the best example that I can think of is the way that movement happens. There's a time system that gas or sorry that car wars uses where each turn is like a quarter of a second and depending for example on how fast your car is going you know every second it's going to go a certain distance on the little movement tool that they give you and it's divided up into so many rounds that it ironically makes the game feel very slow because you're just kind of going back and forth just slowly inching across this table and i guess with the way that they have their movement system laid out you could maybe do like some really fine maneuvers like you could do really delicate like you know passing or uh maybe like try and hit somebody with a pit maneuver but there's really nothing that car wars does that gaslands doesn't do better and even in the presentation, like when you get your Car Wars box, you have some little tokens that have some, you know, nicely drawn little cars on it. But other than that, it's just a piece of graph paper with a road drawn on it. And I know there are people who will use Matchbox cars and whatnot to play Car Wars. But because everything is done at a very particular scale, it seems like it's going to take more work to try and translate that 2D craft paper space into a 3d environment where Gaslands is the native reading through it and trying to play it and teach myself the game i'm just like why am i not playing Gaslands? it does the exact same thing and does every aspect of it better um if car wars does have two things going for it i can say I really like the old late 80s, early 90s sci-fi aesthetic that they have for all of their artwork. Um, they had a magazine, which I think they might still have, because I think uh, Car Wars is a still fairly popular game, um, called Auto Duel Quarterly, which would come out and it would have um, new upgrades, rules changes, kind of like how... Um, GW does their like yearly annual updates. This one was just like new stuff to add into the game. 
Um, they also had a, an art style that I particularly appreciate, but that's, you know, more down to the artist. They could just as easily translate that into Gaslands aesthetic, but I don't think the uh, original creator would want that because they designed theirs in a very particular way. And then the cars for Car Wars, you can do a lot more fine-tuning on what kind of vehicle you have. So you could potentially have, you know, a lightweight sports car with a really beefy engine that, you know, can go a lot faster, but maybe it's a little bit of a glass cannon because you're going to, you know, go too fast and wipe out. But uh, that kind of crunch just is not what I'm looking for in this type of game. If I was playing Battletech, has a similar kind of level of crunch, you know, I can get behind that. But for a game where I'm just looking to slam cars into each other, yeah, I'm going to go with Gaslands just because it's simpler. Yeah, the other, like, older games that kind of fed into Gaslands... I think the real one that people are going to remember is Dark Future, which was published by Games Workshop in the late 80s, which was a vehicular mayhem post-apocalyptic kind of game that came with its own metal miniatures, metal and plastic miniatures. I feel, I've heard the name Dark Future, but I don't think I've actually ever known anything about it. I just knew that it was some way tangentially connected to Games Workshop. Yeah, it was a Mad Max game of vehicular combat. Uh, It was a big boxed game. It came with its own sort of post-apocalyptic cars, though. It it did not support the sort of kit-bashing aspect that Gaslands does. So, yeah, it, it had cars and interchangeable weapons and, like, a laminated track for combat and stuff. And then... They published a bunch of novels and stuff related to it. I will say, even though uh, Speed Freaks, which came out a couple of years ago, seemed to be an absolute instant flop. But, I mean, good on Games Workshop for actually getting out there and experimenting uh, with their IPs and what you can do with them. I would really like to see Gorka Morka come back, because that's basically Gaslands with orcs. And they had... Gorgamorka had some interesting rules, like where all of your cars, you know, you had a bunch of orcs in the back of the truck. And if you take like a turn too hard, you know, orcs can fly out. Or if you get hit, you know, the guys fall out of the car and then you've got pedestrians running around who could potentially cause havoc and just, you know, a lot of very kind of orky shenanigans. And I'm sure if we really tried at it, we could basically do that in Gaslands. But I'd like to... I'd like to see that game come back, especially with just how hard Speed Freaks flopped. I think they had they had a good property to start with. They should have just given it a reboot like they've done a couple of other, their other properties lately. I mean, I think Speed Freaks was really an excuse to try and sell more of the orc wagon models that they had been making for the new line of orcs. Yep. More than it was an attempt to create an actual interesting game. Yeah, and I... I I am not, uh, I don't think Games Workshop is, was ignorant of the fact of how well Gaslands have been doing up to that point, because it came out within a fairly short order of Gaslands getting a lot of popularity. I don't, I don't find it to be a coincidence, but that's just me. 
Yeah, perhaps. I mean, Games Workshop has been in that space before with Dark Future, but obviously since Dark Future is not a remembered licensed IP like the Warhammer 40k universe is, Games Workshop is not interested in publishing anything in it. Doesn't have enough Space Marines. Yes, there's not enough Space Marines. It's not Lord of the Rings related like their other stuff. It's not fantasy. It's not related to their existing IPs. And they have no interest in doing anything with that's, you know, outside of their existing IPs. I mean, honestly, if GW tried to remake Gork and Morka, it would more likely be, uh, instead of orcs riding around in their battle wagons, it would be ultramarines in their weird little Mario Kart ATV that they have now. Oh, that thing is so dumb. <laughs> and I will say, there is another good, great thing about the Gaslands game, and that is the community that has come up, sprung up around it. It has an excellent uh, following on Reddit. There's a few different good Facebook groups for it. You can easily get in touch with other people who like the game and who are willing to answer questions about how to make the models better, how to create terrain so that you can have a cool-looking table on which to drive very fast and crash your toy cars into each other. Maybe a little heavy on the, like, meme posts of various real-life cars, but, you know, it's still good. Or Killdozer. No more Killdozer. So, yeah, Gaslands. I, I think we both enjoy Gaslands immensely. Woo! Yeah, are always looking to play it whenever we can get the opportunity to do so. Yep. In terms of games where model building is involved... I don't think I've come across another game where I've been as excited about building the models and actually doing the hobby portion of the game as much as I am playing the game. Crisis Protocol might be a close second, but that's just because I really like comic books and I like painting in the comic book style. But Gaslands, I'm just constantly hoovering up Hot Wheels and Matchbox and thinking of ideas of what I could do with these toy cars I'm glad that Mike Hutchison found a socially acceptable way for people in their mid-30s to continue playing with Hot Wheels. On the podcast, we have a segment called Board Game Corner. Today, we're going to talk about something a little similar to Gaslands, and that's... It's Gaslands adjacent. It's Gaslands adjacent, yes. And that's Laser Riders. That is laser spelled with a Z. Lasers. And Riders, spelled with a Y and a Z. Uh, this is a game, it was kickstarted in, I want to say like 2017? I think so. I backed the Kickstarter, but I don't remember off the top of my head. It was one of the first ones that I backed, but it's somewhere within that range. It's not super old, but it's also not brand new. And the game is... It's X-Wing without the X-Wings. It's Or actually, it's playing with the X-Wing uh, movement tools. The game is Light Cycles from Tron, but in space. Uh, you play as one of the four characters, the Galactic Wave Rider, who's a surf, who's who's Silver Surfer, the Laser Shark, which is a alien shark, the Super Sheriff, and the Phantom Cosmonaut. My all-time favorite. Yeah, they're all good. You have a pile of templates and you lay them out behind you as you move across the board, and unlike the other games where the templates are laid down, you move, then the template is comes off the board, 
In this case, the templates stay on the board. So as you use them, you don't have them available. You have to consider your movement. But also, they function like the like light cycle things from Tron or the tail and snake. And if someone else hits the tail that you've left behind you, they get knocked out and have to like start from the beginning. The goal of the game is to basically run over a certain number of prisms, which are just like tokens that are scattered on the board, and whoever gets three first wins. The thing is, if you are carrying a prism and you hit someone else's thing and get knocked out, you lose it and leave it on the table where you hit them. So it's, it's about zipping around the board. It's entirely about maneuvering your weird thing and blocking other people. Each of the characters has a special ability that allows them to do something slightly different. Uh, the sheriff can speed up or slow down other players. The cosmonaut can once per game phase through another player instead of hitting them. It's a very simplified version of these sorts of template maneuvering games that we like. And I enjoy it. The presentation of the box is top-notch. It's lovely. It looks like a VHS box set of some for some, like, bizarre 1980s synthwave game or TV show that never really existed. The only thing I have to say about the packaging negative is that the plastic holders for the individual characters don't really work real well in the orientation that they're set up so that the parts kind of fall out on occasion sounds like a problem to be solved by a 3d printer possibly i i don't know how you'd really fix it but the box is fantastic it looks good sitting on a shelf all the pieces are really nice and you can play it quite quickly uh even with people who aren't super understanding of these sorts of games I will say the other downside is that it is up to four-player max. There's only four characters you can play, only four sets of templates, and as far as I know, they've never made an expansion for it. If you backed the Kickstarter, um, you got an extra Laser Rider, which was the only thing that I was disappointed with for the game, is they have you know such a great presentation with how it's all boxed up in those little VHS things. They didn't make one for the extra character, it just comes in a baggie, and I'm like, really? Y'all couldn't spend an extra five minutes to make an extra VHS box for this character, especially now that trying to find a place where I'm going to store this extra character and not get them lost because they don't fit in with uh, any of the spaces in the VHS tapes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a very interesting game. I like it. Uh, the rules can also... Uh, they, they could have used a little more um, detail on the rules. There's some uh, edge cases that are kind of questionable that I've noticed. Yeah, I remember when we played, we had a couple of couple of situations that were a little bit iffy, but other than that, it's solid game. The, the, the core concept of the game is good. The core parts of the game are very nice, and it's presented and packaged well. And, you know, I enjoy Laser Riders. This is a game I would recommend. Uh, if you can't find it at your local game store, look online. Um, because it was a Kickstarter project, it may or may not be available at your local game store. I've seen it uh, 
I think at both of our local stores, which I was actually kind of surprised. I've seen it there in the past. Yeah, I've seen, I bought it from a local game store at one point, but I don't know if they might, if they still have it, because I don't think they have kept it in print. Um, I saw a copy of it just within the last couple of weeks, but as far as, like you said, once those copies sell out, are there going to be any more out there would be the, the big question. Yes. I would say it would be a great Christmas gift if you have a board gaming friend who likes, like, Synthwave or that 80s aesthetic, because it looks amazingly retro. It's everything you thought the 80s would be if you were a Zoomer and didn't actually have any point of reference of what the 1980s looked like. Correct. Yeah, I, I see it and I get the like soundtrack just immediately. Also, I think there was a soundtrack created to go with it that you can find on YouTube. Yeah, they created a soundtrack, um, a play mat, and a couple of other accessories that at the time I was like, I don't really want all the extra guff. I just want the base board game because the goodies, while neat, were a bit more than I wanted to spend for what it really is. Yeah, I can understand that, but still. If you find the Laser Riders and you want to play a game that is about riding lasers in space in the most 80s, like, epic 80s sci-fi thing that you can think of, this is the game for you. Yeah, boy. Or should I, should I say Radical? That's an 80s thing, right? I don't know. Is that a 90s thing, maybe? That's a podcast. Ed, do you have anything you want to add here at the end? Join your local union. Uh, it's a holiday season, so don't donate to the Salvation Army. They're a very anti-trans and LGBTQIA plus organization. If you want to give somebody your dollar, give it to either the Trevor Project or uh, Mermaids. If you're in the UK, they do good work for helping those of us on the rainbow spectrum who aren't as fortunate as I have been and support your local game store for the holiday season. Yeah, uh, and also you can always give money to the Red Cross. Red Cross is always good. As far as giant charity organizations go, they're pretty solid. They have a goal and they stick with it. I think that's it for us. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we are at Knoll Country on Twitter and Knoll Country, all one word, on Instagram. And until next time... Don't wipe out with your Hot Wheels car and crash. Yeah, just don't do it.